Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Good morning. Y'all doing all right? Isn't that powerful? What a powerful morning. Well, hopefully um, you got a little uh, bulletin, a little sermon handout on your way in. If you have one of these, go ahead and open it up. And right now, take about 10 seconds or so, turn to somebody around you and tell them the funnest thing that you've ever been invited to. All right? The funnest thing you've ever been invited to. One, two, three, go. Tell them. Tell them. There's too much laughing over there. I don't know what that's about. That's too. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. What's the funnest thing you've ever been invited to? So how many of y'all have already been invited to a holiday party? Show of hands. You've been invited to a holiday party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of y'all have been invited to a birthday party in the next month or two? Birthday party. Yeah, a few of y'all. How many of y'all have already been invited to a wedding for 2014? Anybody going to a wedding in 2014 already? Some hands, some hands, some hands. So Laura and I, uh, in January, will celebrate our three-year anniversary. Our three-year anniversary. Yeah. Woohoo! Some of y'all that have known me a long time, you're like, I still can't believe she married you. But anyway, so thanks for, thanks for the encouragement. So three years ago, we're sort of in that chaotic mode trying to figure out how do we do this, all that kind of deal. And so as I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about this idea of an invitation. That's immediately what I thought about was wedding invites. I started thinking about that idea of getting a wedding invite in the mail. And I remember three years ago when I was thinking through all of this, I, I was reminded of one of my friends. I heard this guy talking about weddings in a funny way. He said, you know what a wedding is? And so everybody leans in. They're like, yeah, so what, what's a wedding? So here he tells the story. He's like, a wedding is when a bride picks four or five of her favorite friends and she dresses them in the ugliest dresses that she can find. That's the life of truth. How many of y'all have been a bridesmaid? Anybody been a bridesmaid? There's this disturbing male hand in the back going up. That's not right. But, but So anybody that's been a bridesmaid can attest that they've got some ugly dresses that they'll never wear again. So here's what he said, not me. He said that a, a weddings when a, a guy, when a bride picks four or five of her favorite friends, she dresses them in the ugliest dresses that she can find. And the reason why she does that is so that when the guy walks out and he sees her and then he sees her friends, he's like, well, at least I got the best looking one, right? I mean, that's that's what it's about. It's that comparison that happens, right? Where on the other side of the aisle, all the guys are dressed in what? They're in tuxes, right? And so what this guy says is that the tuxedo is designed by a woman. He calls it the wedding emergency device. It's so that all the guys look exactly the same because if the guy chickens out at the last minute, all the other guys can take one step over. It's just a guy. I mean, haven't you noticed as pastor types, we never call the guy by name. We say, do you take this man to be your husband? That's in case that whole shift goes on. So weddings are so, weddings are so funny. I've been to great weddings. I've been to awkward weddings, but weddings are awesome because you're invited. Invitations are something that are powerful. Invitations are something that are meaningful because anytime you receive an invite, it is somebody's personal request that you be in their presence. Well, last Sunday, we, we had this amazing opportunity. I hope you're here. If you weren't here, I'm going to tell you a link that I want you to check out in the next couple of days. But last week, we saw this amazing presentation of the central message of the cross. 
Wasn't that powerful? Just that central message that everything rises and falls on who Jesus is and what Jesus did on the cross. And honestly, there were some of us that were in this room that we began to say, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Man, I wish my brother was here. Man, I wish my aunt was here. I wish, and you start going down the list and you begin to say, man, I wish they were here. Man, if I'd known that this Sunday was going to be so powerful, I would have invited them. I would have said, you got to be here. You got to be here. You got to be here. Because here's what's powerful is that Jesus, ever since his earthly ministry, he's been inviting people to follow him. Jesus, ever since his first step into public ministry, he's been doing this one thing. He's been inviting people and he's been saying, follow me. And here's what I believe. I'm going to go ahead and give it away, the bottom line on the front end. Here's what I believe in this room. Is that everybody in this room can invite somebody to follow Jesus. Everybody in this room. Whether you've been coming to church for a little bit of time or a long time whether you feel like you've got it together or you feel like your life is chaotic, whether you know a lot about the Bible or if you're just brand new to the Bible, here's what I really believe this morning is that everybody in this room can invite somebody to hear about Jesus. If you have your Bibles, look in Matthew chapter 9 because Matthew wrote this encounter. So there's a guy that followed Jesus whose name's Matthew and he saw Jesus' ministry firsthand. He sat down and penned this section of the Bible so that we would hear a firsthand account. And what we find in this account is that Jesus invited him and in turn Matthew turned to the people around him in his life and he invited them to hear about Jesus. Here's what it says, Matthew chapter 9 Verse 9 says this, and Jesus went on from there. So Jesus has been traveling. Jesus is going from place to place to place to place. It says, and Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man called by the name Matthew. So he sees Matthew. So here's the guy writing it down. This is what happened when I met Jesus. It says, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. This is Jesus extending an invitation. This is Jesus saying, I, 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 I want to connect with you. He says to him, follow me. And so it says at the end of verse 9, and he got up and he followed him. Look at verse 10. Then it happened, then it happened, that as Jesus was reclining at the table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and they were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. They were the guys that made laws and then kept the laws. They were the New Testament version of hall monitors. They liked to tattle on people all the stinking time. It says, then the Pharisees saw this. What did they see? They saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors. When they saw this, they said to Jesus' disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors? Why is he eating with sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And in this passage, what we begin to see is what does it look like to invite somebody to get to know Jesus. In your handout, there are five W's in your handout. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through all five W's, so you can take a, a breath of relief. But here's what I want to do. Every good invitation has what we call the five W's. Do you remember these from school? Do you know the five W's that you ask when you're describing something? Do you know what those are? Who, what, when, where, why, and sometimes there's a bonus H, which is how. 
Every good invitation has these five W's. The first W, if you're taking notes, go ahead and fill it in. Just write down who. Who. Every good invite tells you who is invited. And so when we receive an invitation to our house, it is addressed to who? It's addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Robert Gordon McGraw. Don't laugh at Gordon, all right? Let's keep moving. It's addressed to somebody. Somebody, the who, is invited. Well, who is invited to follow Jesus? Who's invited to follow Jesus? See, the religious leaders, the Pharisees thought they were the ones that had an automatic in. They thought they were the guys, well, of course we're invited. We know all the Old Testament laws. We enforce the laws. In fact, we didn't think there were enough laws in the Old Testament, so we made up a few of our own. And they, they spent their time patting themselves on the back. And so they think they're the who. But when Jesus shows up, Jesus breaks rank with the religious system of his day. When Jesus shows up, he goes to the outcast. When Jesus shows up, he goes to the marginalized. When Jesus showed up, he went to the lonely. When Jesus shows up, Matthew records that he went to a guy whose job was to be a tax collector. In their day and age, tax collectors were hated. Well, actually, not much has changed, has it? But in their day and age, they're especially hated. The way that a tax collector made their living was by ripping off other people. The way that a tax collector made their money is if somebody, if, if the government that they worked for, the Roman government, went to Matthew and said, Matthew, go to Penny and collect from Penny $20. All right, so the government says to the tax collector, it's your job to collect $20 from Penny. Well, what the tax collector would do is he would pad that number. And instead of saying $20, he'd go to Penny and say, you got to give me 40 bucks. And so Matthew would pocket 20. He'd send 20 on to the government and everybody knew it. I mean, he worked for the government. Here's a Jew working for the Roman government. Here's an insider aligning himself with the outsiders of their day. And so in the Pharisees' mind, in the religious leaders' mind, they think, well, there's no way Matthew can get it. Matthew is too far off. He's a tax collector. He's a jerk. He rips people off. He doesn't deserve it. And yet Jesus, when he extended his invitation, he didn't circle his table with insiders. He didn't circle his table with people that felt like they earned it and they got it. Jesus circled his, his table by saying, anybody is welcome. That was an inclusive message. In his day and age, when it's crowded with all of these sections of religion, Jesus stands up in the middle of that crowded stage and he says, anybody can come to me. So next to who, write anybody. Next to who, write anybody. Who can come? Anybody. Anybody can come. A few weeks ago, Laura and I were invited to go to an event. So we got an invite that had the who, what, when, where, why, and all that kind of stuff. And it was a black tie event. Now, I grew up in Alabama and Mississippi, so I, you know, I, I didn't grow up going to a whole lot of black tie events. I, you know, that's just not how we did it. And so we got this invite, and I'm thinking, I don't know what we're going to do. And so I broke out the old tux, put on the tux. Laura put on a nice dress. And so we go to this event, and I felt out of place. I felt out of place. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth, so I'm going to be on my best behavior. I'm just going to follow Laura's lead, because if y'all have met Laura, you know, she's great in all those public kind of things. I'm fearful hermit, you know, introvert guy. She's very friendly with everybody. In fact, I give her a hard time. Anytime she goes to the restroom, she comes out with a new best friend. I don't know how you ladies do that. Guys, we've got this unspoken rule. You don't talk when you're in the restroom. But she comes out with a 
So we go to this event, and so I'm thinking, I'm just going to follow her lead. Well, what I didn't know is she was going <laughs> to she's going to have a moment. She's going to have a Mississippi moment. So we're there. They have hors d'oeuvres, so they're bringing around all these little finger foods. So she grabs a cracker with a dab of some kind of meat on it, like tuna fish, something like that. And so I leave the room to go do something. I come back, and while Laura's talking, so she grabs this hors d'oeuvre. She's talking, talking, and she's made two new best friends. She's talking, talking, talking. And about 30 seconds, 45 seconds later, she goes to eat her cracker with tuna fish. And the problem is now it's just a cracker. And so she looks at it puzzled. What in the world happened? I thought there was meat. And one of the girls starts cracking up and points to the floor. Laura, in her animated conversation, threw her food on the ground. So I walk up right after this section and my canned response is, I can't take you anywhere. (laughs) Right? Well, we've all been in those environments where we feel like we don't fit. We feel like we don't deserve to be there. But here's what Jesus says, anybody's welcome. So that's the first one. First W is the who. The next W I want to give you is the what. Just write down the word what. What are they invited to? What is Jesus inviting Matthew to? What is Jesus inviting the outcasts to? What is Jesus inviting the the sinners, the tax collectors? Is he inviting them just to a meal? Well, yes, they had a meal. In fact, if you look at the other versions of the story where Mark wrote about it and Luke wrote about it, they're more implicit to say Matthew was so overwhelmed that Jesus would pick him. That Matthew went back to his friends and said, you got to meet this guy. And so Matthew throws this elaborate party. So what were they invited to? Were they invited to a party? Yes. Were they invited to have food? Yes. Were they invited to recline around the table? Yes. But more important and more at the foundation of it, they were invited not just to a party, not just to food, but to a relationship. To a relationship. Matthew didn't say, all right, you all sit down and Jesus is going to stand up. I've got to memorize these 10 things. You've got to quote these seven passages. He didn't do any of that stuff. Here's a guy that is overwhelmed that Jesus would pick him, that he turns to all the other people that feel lonely, distraught, distracted, outcast, and he says, you got to meet this guy. So if you're taking notes, that second W, the who, uh, the who is anybody, the what is, write down the word relationship. Write down the word relationship. See, here's what Matthew knew. Matthew knew that truth is best transferred into somebody's life on the basis of relationship. Don't you receive feedback from somebody better if you know them than if they're a stranger? Don't you receive encouragement better from somebody you know than some random person? Truth is best transferred through relationship. See, back in, so I told you our our anniversary is coming up. Well, When I first met Laura, so I met Laura right at the tail end of 2008, early 2009. When I first met her, it was at a church event over in Woodstock. My buddy was preaching at it, so he introduced us. Honestly, I didn't think anything about it. I was in a long-distance relationship. I was in a relationship, so it didn't dawn on me who I just met. Well, months later, I'm not in this relationship. I show back up at this event. My buddy reintroduces us. And time after time, every time I go, I end up talking to Laura. end up talking to Laura. So finally, being the slow guy that I am, I have this, bing, hey, you should ask her out. And so, you know, I, I really, honestly, I'm very clueless at this point, whether or not she likes me or not, if she's interested or not. And so I was like, all right, I want to ask her out, but I don't want the rejection. So I, I'm going to play it safe. So I invited her to coffee. Invited her to coffee. And so we met 
for our first date on April 19, 2009 at the Starbucks Coffee in Cumming on Marketplace Boulevard. And, yeah. <laughs> and all the ladies said, aww. And so I show up not knowing. I'm, really, I, 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 I don't know if she likes me at this point. I don't, I don't know if she's just there for info. I, I, I don't know. I'm just clueless at this point. And so we finally sit down because she was late, but I'm not bitter about it. So we finally... <laughs> So we finally, so I think she stood me up, awesome. But uh, so we sit down and we're having coffee at seven, ten o'clock, we're closing down the place. What I thought was, might just be about information, what I thought might just be background, ended up sparking relationship. And that's what Jesus invites us to. Jesus isn't inviting us to rules and codes and external things. He's inviting everybody, the who, everybody, to what? To a relationship. Here's the last W I'll give you. Why? Why? Why is Jesus extending this invitation to Matthew? And then why is Matthew extending this invitation to his tax collector friends, the outcast? Why would Jesus do that? Why isn't Jesus hanging out with the Pharisees? Why is Jesus associating himself with sinners, outcasts, people that have done wrong, and they would admit it? They know that they've done wrong. They know that they're ripping people off. Why would Jesus hang out? Because honestly, to the Pharisees, that meal table was important. To the Pharisees, who got to sit at the table was important. To the Pharisees, who was at the table with you marked a line in relationship and only the people that got it deserved to sit at the table, they thought. Only the people that were in the inner circle deserved to sit there. But here's what Jesus says to them and he says to you and me, when he heard them grumbling, when he heard them complaining, Jesus says this in verse 12, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are what? Who are sick. Jesus is saying the problem isn't do they know the codes or not. The problem isn't do they wear the right clothes or not. The problem isn't did they grow up in this inner circle or outside the inner circle. Jesus says the one thing that unites every single one of us in this room who's ever lived on this planet is that without Christ, at the core of who we are, we are sick. We're separated because of our sin. So Jesus, when he set that down at the table, he wasn't saying, hey, Matthew, great job at ripping people off. Do it more. He wasn't doing that. Jesus was leveraging that relationship for the sake of eternity. Jesus was using that relationship to impact eternity. Think about that. What I believe this morning, what Pastor Chuck believes this morning is that every single person in this room can invite somebody to follow Jesus. See, it's so easy at Thanksgiving, it's so easy at Christmas to sort of go through the motions. But what we really believe is that God has placed us in relationship with people that don't know Christ. That God's placed us in neighborhoods with people that don't know Christ. That in many of our families, we're surrounded by people that we love, but they don't know Christ. And here's what I believe over Thanksgiving week, leading up to Christmas, that every person in this room can invite somebody to follow Jesus. The five W's is who, who would you do that with? Well, anybody. When would you do that? I would say over the holidays when everybody's already together. 
Why would we do that? Because every single person needs Jesus. Where would we do that? I would say do that in your home. Do it in the place where you share life together. But the bonus H, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? What I would encourage you to do is go to sugarhillchurch.com and right across the bottom, there, like three or four buttons in, at the very bottom of the page, there is a button that says, My Hope America. Click that and what I would encourage you to do, invite the family over, have the meal, hang out, do all of that stuff. But somewhere in that, in that festivity, say, there is something I would love for all of you to watch. And if you go to that link, there's a link to the Billy Graham video that we showed in here last week that I think if, if you weren't here, if you asked anybody around you, was it powerful? Was it well done? They would say yes. They would say definitely yes. And all I'm asking you to do is to invite some people into your home, hit play on this video, and let Billy Graham walk through the gospel of the cross. And then at the end of the video, what I would encourage you to do is to take three minutes and say, let me tell you my story. You heard Billy Graham's story. You heard the other two people in the video story. Let me tell you my story. And the way that you do that in three minutes is one minute you say, this is what my life was like before Christ. You take the second minute and describe when did you come to know Christ? What were the events? What were the things that happened in your life to help you to come to Jesus? And then spend that third minute and say, this is what my life has been like since that moment. Just three minutes, your simple story. My life before Christ, how I came to know Christ, my life since Christ, and then ask the people, would it be okay if I pray for you? Would it be okay if I pray for you? And I guarantee you that everybody in this room can invite somebody. And instead of saying, man, I wish so-and-so was here, I wish so-and-so was here, guess what? Just like Matthew, who was invited to follow Jesus, we can invite others. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask nobody to move around. I tried to be respectful uh, of your time that sort of got away from us, so I, I, I've tried to keep it as concise as I know how. But what I want to do is I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for the Matthews in your life. I want to pray for the friends of Matthew in your life. And what I'm going to do is after I finish praying, Hector's going to begin to lead us. And right inside your handout, there's not just three W's, there's all five W's. And during this closing few minutes before we dismiss you out of here, I'm going to invite you to do a little homework. I'm going to invite you to begin to answer the five W questions in your bulletin. That as you pray this morning, you say, God, who, who should I invite? What should I invite them to? When should I do this? Well, there's some opportunities coming up that I can use my relationships to help them know the true relationship. Where would I do it? Would I do it at my home? Would I do it at the clubhouse in my neighborhood? Where, where would I do that? Never forget to answer the why. Why would I do that? Well, I love them so much. If I love them so much, wouldn't I want them to know the one person that can change their life? And then if you ask the question, how? Go to the church website, click on the box, and there are so many resources there to help you. Father, all across this room, I pray for the Matthews. I pray for the Matthews friends. I pray for our relationships in our lives. As I pray, maybe somebody's come to mind in your heart. Would you just take a moment in your head and your heart and just pray for that person? 
just lift up their name and say, Jesus, would you help me invite them to you? Matthew didn't know what his friends were going to do. That wasn't the point. The point was that he invited them. Everybody can invite somebody. Father, over these next moments, would you drop in our heads and our hearts the people, the places, the ways you'd help us to invite people to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.